Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Marketeers. Today I have on Matt Handel. He is a proposal expert and author of the book, Proposal Development Secrets. Welcome, Matt. Thank you very much, Colleen. So before we get started, I am curious to know how you got started in this industry. What's your story? Well, here's here's the quick version of my story. About early 1974, in the middle of the night, there was a fire in my house. And luckily, my mom got out alive and I was there in her belly. And the reason my house caught on fire was because my dad was the worst contractor ever. <laughs> my, my dad was a carpenter by trade and he and his brothers built houses for a living. And when he was renovating our house, he decided, well, I don't need to pay an electrician because I could probably do that myself. And thus my house burnt down. So he was in the doghouse for, for a long time after that. And, you know, growing up, I never thought, well, I'm going to get into construction. Right. You know, I'll be in the, in the construction business. But somehow, as fate would have it, I kind of landed in, in that construction engineering world, mostly in the area of, of marketing and proposals. So I, I, over the years, I've submitted well over a thousand proposals. I've been lucky enough that I was able to submit proposals in every state, including Alaska and Hawaii. Cool. I had the honor to publish two books on proposal writing, one written by me, one written by one of my mentors, Laura Ricci. And I've trained thousands of people on proposal writing and management. And you know, full disclosure, I do sell training courses on proposal writing and, and management. So, Yeah, I've been to one of them. They're great. Thank you. Thank you. So the reason I wanted to have you on today is to talk about... I guess the current training environment with AEC marketers and the actions that both we as marketers and our companies can take to train our marketing staff. So to start this off, why should companies invest in training their new marketing staff up front? So in my experience, what typically happens you know, when you hire a, a new marketing person, typically if you're if you're a smaller firm, you'll hire someone fairly out of school, maybe a few years experience. And then you, you say, here's what the last person did. Here's what our last marketer did, hmm. right? But the question is, okay, why would you do that? You know, why is the last person no longer there? You know, were right. they doing the right things? And is, is that really the best model? And when we were talking earlier, you were talking about your experience when you were moved over to Stantec. Right. You know, can you, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Cause I think that's a good contrast. Yeah. So what you said is spot on. Basically when I was new to the industry, it was sort of a situation where they handed me something and said, here's what the last person did. And it wasn't really that helpful because I was new, but when I went over to Stantec, it was, they had a whole sort of initiation process, I guess, of marketers to our team. So not only did I have a full week of training on just what Stantec is, what the company offers, but I also got trained by the other marketers in specific areas that they were really good at. So you've got people who 
not only they've just been told that they're excellent at something and now they're training the the newcomer, which I wasn't new to the industry, but I still learned so much from them because everyone has a different way of doing things. And they wouldn't even put me on a proposal until I think like a month in, I was able to lead my own proposal. They started me with training for a week and then another week of getting to know the brand. And then I supported someone on a proposal. And then I was finally able to lead my own proposal, which again, I had years of experience by then. And I didn't totally understand why I wasn't able to just lead something right off the bat, but I'm so happy that I wasn't because it was the proper way to train someone in. And I think it's a really good model if you have a marketing team to do that with your new hires. When you look at that, you say, okay, which, which approach sounds more effective? Right. <laughs> you know, the, the approach that you went through or just the typical approach of, hey, it's sink or swim. You know, you, I'm sure you'll pick it up along the way. Right. You know, you don't need any training. And I think the problem with that is there's this idea that people just kind of know how to do marketing and business development. You have a marketing degree, you get out of school and while well, you have a degree in marketing, you must know how to do it. Right. right. And, and you wouldn't hire someone right out of college, medical college and say like, okay, here, perform open heart surgery on me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't say, well, here's how the last person did it. So get to it. You know, listen, we're sink or swim around here. You wouldn't say that to a, to someone uh, out of school for your heart surgery. And if you were smart, really, you probably wouldn't send that person to a two hour seminar on heart surgery and say, okay, open me up next week. Right. Yeah. But yet that's what, <laughs> that's what happens in our business. It's kind of silly, you know, and if revenue is the heart of your business, you've got to think of marketing and business development training as, as a long-term investment. Sure. So I think the bottom line is you've got to create systems that result in perpetually training your staff and, and improving their outcomes. Because at the end of the day, it's all about improving outcomes for your firm and also the people that work for your firm. Right. You know, if, you know, a firm like Stantec, as you mentioned, is large and sophisticated. And your system might not have to be that sophisticated, you know, coming out of the gate, but it has to be something. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can't be like, okay, well, our training is that we don't train. That's not really acceptable. Exactly. In my experience, if you've got staff, whether they're new or they're old, and they're not interested in learning, regardless of their level of experience, I think that's a red flag. And honestly, I'd consider getting, getting rid of those people. Sure. Yeah. You want people who are going to bring new and interesting ideas. And if they're not even interested in learning anything new, you're just going to get the same thing over and over again, even if the industry is sort of moving past that point. So 100%. So in the case that you don't have an entire marketing team to train you, like I had, what sort of training do you think firms should look at? Yeah, I think that that's that's the situation that that most firms are in. You know, most firms don't have a large marketing staff. You know, most firms in our industry are are small businesses, mm -hmm. so they might have zero people right now in, in marketing. They might have one or two people right now in marketing. I think that most firms find themselves in the situation. But I think there's three important points to to look at, and the first point is as an individual you should invest some portion of your income into yourself. So yeah, put 10 or 15% into that 401k. You definitely want to do that. Uh, but 
even if you're starting out, you've got to invest in yourself. Because I, I, I truly believe that's where the real return is. So let's say you're just starting out, right? And, and let's say you're lucky enough to make $40,000 a year. Well, what's 1% of that? Maybe that's $400. Well, you could do a lot with $400 when it comes to training yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You could buy just about every book ever written about proposals with $400. So I think you shouldn't use the excuse of, well, nobody wants to pay to train me. I think you have to, in some cases, take the responsibility on yourself to train yourself, right? right? It's not uncommon for me to invest thousands a year on myself. I'm training myself. And you know, that sounds extreme. That might sound extreme to you, but at, at the end of the day, it pays off. And let me tell you, I know like some of the other people on your podcasts, I, I know them personally, and I can tell you the people that I know that, that have spoken to you already, they do the same thing I do. They spend money on training themselves. 100%. So, so it does pay off. You know, it's like, for example, a good story, and this was from many years back, the first time I went to Built Business, which is a big conference in our industry, I completely bankrolled that myself. Mm -hmm. I believe it was in Boston at the time. And that expense, and that it was like a decade ago, was probably about like $2,000. Right. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a lot of money, right? But that's where I learned how to get the, the thing about that conference and that experience was that's the time I learned how to get into engineering news record. And this was a dream for my firm that no PR consultant would ever promise them. So right. we, we can't promise you that. We'll try our best. We can't promise you that. I did that in a year. So there was return right away. And, and in fact, to tell the rest of the story, a couple months later, the firm came back to me and said, you know what? We recognize that you spent this money. We're going to reimburse you for that. Wow. Okay. Right. So again, in my experience, it always pays off. It, you know, it, it might not pay off every single time you do it per se, you might not see an immediate return, but I think over a long period of time, investing in yourself, you're going to see a huge return. You know, some of the online courses I paid for have been game changing. Some of the books I've read have been game changing. Yeah. So the first point really is invest in yourself. Why not invest 1%? I mean, 1% of your salary on yourself. I don't think that's too much to ask. So that's the first point. I think the second point is if you're a firm or an owner of a business, I think it's important to invest in your people. Why are you not investing 5% of people's salaries to improve their outcomes? You know, regardless of where your firm is, if you invest 0% in your people, I'm not sure how you can look yourself in the mirror. If you own a business and at the end of the day, you're not investing any money into improving your staff, well, I think one, it's a, it's a really dumb move. And two, like, how can you look yourself in the mirror? You're probably not a good business owner. You're probably just a lucky person, I would say. Right. So the point too, is that you have to invest in your people. So one of the things, the thing you ask is, okay, well, what should firms look for? Right. And I think that we need to talk about that. So I think there's three things you should look for when you're, when you're looking for, to train your staff or train yourself. The first thing is the right instructor. I would say, look for an instructor who has produced the outcomes you, that you want in your industry. And I know that sounds simple, but training is a business and training people want your money. So right. for example, I wouldn't advise you to hire the top salesperson for, for Ford Motor Company to come train your staff on sales, right? I'd hire someone 
who was a top salesperson at a construction firm or an engineering firm or whatever you are. You know, I'd like to learn about how to start a podcast from Killeen rather than some consultant who just picked that, that as a topic and decided to talk about it. <laughs> right. You know, and, there's, and honestly, I'm sure you've experienced this before. There's a lot of that out there. There's a yeah. lot of consultants that are like, what's the hot topic? Oh, the hot topic is blockchain. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, teach people how to improve their marketing with blockchain. You know, so let me research blockchain and try to figure that out and just kind of pull some BS together and train people on that. And there's a lot of that in our industry. You really want to look for who's done it before. You know, who's actually done what I wanted to achieve, and and talk to them. So I think the right instructor is critical. The second thing is. When I look back, the most effective training I've received are the books that I've read multiple times, the training CDs I've listened to multiple times, and the online courses that I've gone through multiple times. So unless you have a photographic memory, those one and done trainings are of limited value. Mm -hmm. That's at least in my experience. So with my courses, I have a policy. Whenever you take them, you get lifetime access to them. You know, you'll go back to your firm and maybe you'll implement a few things. And once you see the success of those things, you'll go back to the course and pick more up. And it's like this cycle of improving, you know, and I've seen some dramatic improvements from some of my students. You know, for example, I've seen teams use my win running training to 10x their proposal wins in, in a single year. Wow. If they 10x the proposal wins in a single year, I didn't think that was even possible but they did it. But the next year, they were 40% better than the year before. So they didn't get the biggest impact of that training from that first year. You know, it was a consistent process of improvement. And in my experience, that's how training works. Training isn't that you, you read a book or go to a two hour seminar and all of a sudden you're the best heart surgeon in the world. Right. Right, you go to training, you learn a few things, you implement them, you get better at it. If you're lucky, you can go back to that training again, pick up some more and keep using that to constantly improve. And before you know it, yeah, you're a pretty good heart surgeon. I think there's a problem in the industry as a whole with this idea that, oh, we'll just send somebody to a one hour or one day or one hour training and that's all they need. I mean, I remember I went to a one day training on setting up or applying for the GSA schedule, which probably today and even at that time was an extremely complicated federal contract. Right. right? So you're not going to go to a one day training on that and just be able to do it. I mean, it actually took me years to get an approved contract after that one day, tra- that one day training course. Right. And I learned so much after that training course about the GSA schedule. So I think you really have to look for something and go back to it. You know, just Definitely. keep learning from the same source. Don't think that you just read a book once and you're gonna know how to do things. Yeah. Yeah, if you've ever received my training, you can email me five years later and ask a question or run a thought by me. And I know you've probably experienced people who've helped you through the years that you can go and call and say, hey, let me just bounce this off you. Totally. You know, I think that that, from a training standpoint, is extremely valuable. Another issue I have with training in our industry 
if you take my training and decide 30 days or, or 45 days later, you don't like it, you're not happy with it, I'm happy to give you your, your money back. No questions asked. And really that should be the industry standard, but unfortunately it's not. And I know it kind of sounds like I'm giving you a big commercial here, but you know, I'll mention Lin- Lindsay Divin from Marketers Take Flight. I know you recently had her on a podcast. Yeah. yeah. She does the same kind of stuff. You know, she takes a similar approach that I do training. And, and hopefully people like me, people like Lindsay, as we provide training in this manner, it's going to become more of the norm. Right. So again, I think the overall one day or one hour seminar on hope and heart surgery is the wrong approach. Uh, unfortunately, it's the norm, but hopefully we're going to move to more what I would call like lifetime access training. The next thing I think you need to look for is different perspectives. So I've read every book on proposal writing that I could find. Why did I do that if I know about proposal writing, you know? Well, in my experience, one nugget of gold can change your day. Heck, it could change your life. And that's what I loved about Laura Ricci's book, The Magic of Winning Proposals, which is available on Amazon and other fine retailers, I guess. (laughs) You know, I was reading her, there's true story. I, I was reading her sections on proposal ghosts and goblins. And, you know, it occurred to me at the time that, oh, wait a minute, a few weeks back, someone used those exact tactics to beat us out of a big contract. Oh. That was a big wow moment for me. Wow, geez, I learned that stuff. And I can, you know, you talk about different proposal books and, you know, some of them are garbage, but most of them I could say, oh, I learned something from that. You know, that one point from that was valuable. And it's, it's the value of different perspectives is not the 99% that you already know. It's that 1% that's nowhere else. And I'm sure that if you wrote a book on proposals or anything related to marketing, there would be a nugget of gold in there that I don't know. And I'd find value with. And I think that you have to seek different perspectives. And like I mentioned, you know, I have an online course about proposal management Lindsay Divin has an online course that's very similar, or not very similar, but it's on the same topic. We've both been successful in that field in our industry. If I was you, I would take both classes. Why not? You know, why not seek out those different perspectives? You know, you might say, you know what? I'm more comfortable with this way of doing it versus this way of doing it, you know, or this makes more sense to me rather than th- this makes more sense. Or you try them both and one is better than the other for you. And I think seeing those different perspectives, seeking out those different perspectives is super important. That brings up such an important point too, is even if you don't know what books to start with, I think you can even circle back to your idea of looking to people that you look up to and seeing what they're reading and what they're doing. Now, I know that I'm going to go and read The Magic of Winning Proposals because you're one of those people who's doing what I want to do. And so now I want to read what you're reading, but we all have, you know, formal or informal mentors. It doesn't take much to just reach out and say, Hey, I want to learn more about this. Do you have any suggestions? Yes. And I think that goes for more than just marketing. I, I was very lucky in my early career. Like for example, I was working for a mechanical electrical plumbing design firm. Mm-hmm. And one of the project managers took me in and he didn't know engineering at all, but he would take me into his office and explain to me, hey, this is schematic design. And this is what we do during schematic design. 
This is design development. This is what we do during design development. And these are construction documents. And this is what we do during that phase of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you need to understand your business and you can reach out to the people that you work with who are maybe more on the technical side of things to learn more about what it is that they do. Yeah. So I think the mentorship thing extends beyond to other people that are marketers or business developers. I think it extends to also the technical folk that you may work with. Sure. How do you think my listeners or you know people, marketers in general can get more out of training? Yeah, I think there's a couple of good tricks. Number one, my experience is teach people what you've learned. Right. So if you go to a conference, set up time afterwards where you can teach the office or your team what you learned. You know, they say you don't know a topic really well until you can teach it well. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do believe that. I think it helps to teach something and it helps your understanding of the topic. I, I feel like when I do these seminars and I go out to California and I talk to a group, they're learning, but I'm also learning too. Sure. During that whole process. The next thing is to what I would call get tactile. And one of the cornerstones of adult education is running people through real exercises. So as, as you know, as you've experienced, you know, I'll put people in groups of six, drop real proposals on the table and say, I'll be back in an hour. Tell me who you selected and why. Right. And that's an eye-opening experience for a lot of people. Would you agree? That was probably one of my favorite exercises that I've ever done during a training. I am still learning from that experience. (laughs) Years later, I'm still gathering little nuggets. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing. One time, this was in Pennsylvania, a participant ended up crying. And she explained that she was embarrassed by the proposals after, after that experience. She's embarrassed by her own proposals after that experience. Yeah. Do you think that she learned something? I would say that she probably did. Yeah. Right? You know, when I was running the marketing at the construction consulting firm, I'd hand new hires a stack of RFPs and I'd say, which ones would we go after and why? Which hmm. ones would we go after and why? And you have to learn, you know, you have to, especially like going back to, okay, if you haven't been to this firm before, and you were at a different firm, you were in an architecture firm, and now you go to an engineering firm, that exercise is going to be immensely helpful because you got to figure out why do these people go after the things that they go after? Sure. You know, what do they do and what don't they do? Because in our world, that can be very nuanced. You know, if you're an engineering firm, okay, well, they're an engineering firm. They do engineering. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do they do bridges? You know, do they do, they're a structural engineer. Okay, do they do bridges? Oh yeah, they do bridges. Do they do cable stayed bridges? I don't know, do they? You know, would they do the Tacoma Narrows Bridge? I don't know. I mean that, you know, just because you're a structural engineer doesn't mean that you can go after every different thing. Sure, yep. So I think that that's a very important concept is, okay, let, let me go through some real exercises. And, you know, it's great to get up on stage and spout a bunch of statistics, but I think people learn more by doing and experiencing real situations. And with all, and a lot of these exercises, like the one we talked about, putting real proposals on a table that were submitted for a contract and having people decide who won and why, 
you don't need Matt Handel to do that. You know, that's right, something right. that you can do yourself with your own team. So there's a lot to be said for, you know, getting tactile. The third thing I would say is that, and this is, I think, hard for people to get their heads around sometimes, is to value your time and attention. And I know that when we were just talking about this podcast before we recorded it, you know, that's just one of the topics that came up. Yep. Listen, I have Netflix, I have Disney Plus, I have Paramount Plus, I have HBO Max, and I have Prime Video, among other things. <laughs> you don't have to swear off entertainment, but use the time you can to learn. You're standing in line, you could be learning. If you're on a train or in a car, you could be learning. Heck, if you're forced into a Zoom call that has no relevance to your job, turn off your video and get learning. I always say my book, Proposal Development Secrets, is great toilet reading. <laughs> Read it on the toilet. I'm not going to be offended. You know, I wrote that entire book on a train. I wrote that entire book on my iPhone on a train. Wow. You could do stuff and you could use those times instead of looking at Facebook or just tapping your foot to do some learning and still have time to, to you know, watch whatever's on Netflix or whatever. The other thing that I know that you probably mentioned to me is that if you're in a conference, don't be afraid to leave a session that's not yeah. hitting the mark for you. Mm -hmm. you know, if you're not getting any value from what I'm talking about, no speaker, including me, is going to have a problem with you leaving. Sure. Frankly, I'd rather you go to another session or be out in the hallway reading a book that's going to be a game changer for you. Yeah. So I think you really have to value your time and use it mindfully, I would say. I remember a presenter at Build Business actually said that to the group before he started presenting, that it was okay to leave if we weren't getting the value we expected. And it was sort of an eye-opening experience for me because I was like, well, obviously he wants a, a packed room, but then you think about it and you don't want someone who's just sitting there completely not engaged in what you're saying either, you know, full room or not, if you've got a bunch of people who don't want to be there, then, you know, it, that's not a great feeling either. So I just, I thought that was so clever of him to have said at the very beginning. And I've sort of adopted that philosophy at every single session of a conference that I've been to since is like, well, you know, it's not good for the speaker if I'm here and don't want to be here and it's not good for me. So yeah, when you point. think about something like build business, I mean, so someone, you or your firm, just spent $1,500, $2,000 for yeah, you to be there. Exactly. You know, I think you have a moral obligation to get something out of that conference and bring mm -hmm. it back to your firm. If you only work on, let's say, business development and you're you know, sitting in a session about how blockchain can drastically improve your website, well, you might say to yourself, this isn't going to help me in my day to day. Is there another session going on concurrently that that's going to help? Right. I think, you know, I think, you, I think you should think that way. Absolutely. So to close out, if our listeners want to know more about you, where should I direct them? Well, the first place is my website. That's www.helpeverybodyeveryday.com. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to thank all the listeners that, that listen today or in the future, I'm going to set up a page. It's going to be www.helpeverybodyeveryday.com slash AEC marketeer. 
And there I'll have some goodies for you to download, including a checklist on what someone should know about proposal management. It's like a proposal management training checklist awesome. and some other goodies as well. So check out www.helpeverybodyeveryday.com slash AEC Marketeer and see what's there. Excellent. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Do you also want to plug your book? Because that's a book that is probably one of my favorites that I go back to all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you go on Amazon, you can search for proposal development secrets. It'll be there um, and you can download that. Also, The Magic of Winning Proposals is there too. That's another one I published, but it wasn't written by me. And of course, there's a lot of other books, you know, that I can mention, you know, sure. I think books are great. Again, like I said, I go back to the stuff that really was a game changer for me. And a lot of times it's like the books I read multiple times. Yep. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really enjoyed this. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it too. All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Matt and are inspired to get out and start training yourself or have yourself trained. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.